Sci-Fi for Me presents Jason Hunt, Timothy Harvey. This is the H2O Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this, our 305th episode of the H2O Podcast. My name is Jason Hunt. And I am Timothy Harvey. And we're remote again tonight. One day, one day we'll be back in the one one of these days, one of these days, one of these. Well, it actually works out better because uh, this way, when when we wrap up, I can actually kind of head home real quick and get to bed because I have to be uh, reporting for jury duty in district court in the morning. So you know, no no dilly dallying around tonight. <sighs> Do my civic duty, right? That's or, right. It's part of the process. Part of the process. Due process and all the things. So, anyway. Guilty! Oh, wait. <laughs> okay. If you come in and that's the first words out of your mouth, <laughs> they will send you home. Hang him! Uh, wait, we don't do that anymore? <laughs> Shouldn't we? I believe in corporal punishment for every crime. They they might suspect you're trolling them, though. I'm just... Probably. Probably. The, yes. The judge, the judge might get titchy. I will behave. I will behave. It's it's likely I won't get called up. But you know, the way my luck goes, all, so, all I need you, is for a stone Martin weasel to cross my path and the rest of the day is shot. You know? Well, like you and I were talking a little bit about this before we started recording tonight. The, 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 the one time I served on a jury, I was there for five days. And I mean... It wasn't the most useful five days, um, but I mean, it's part of the process, and, and I'm glad I did it. Yeah. I mean, I've, you know, you should do it. You should do it at least once, just because it is, to some degree, it is your civic duty. That's you are the jury of the peers, and and uh, but I mean, if you can get out of it, that's fine too. <laughs> well, and you know, being being media generally is is enough, but you know, who knows? Sure. We'll see. Uh, Dave, oh, this was just, back. The, my time was back in my bookseller days yeah. when it was just like. I mean, it made my boss grouchy at the time. But well, I'm sure my boss is not going to appreciate it either. Um, but anyway, Dave says I'm doing research for a tell-all book by doing jury duty. <laughs> that I guess that's one way to get out of it, right? <laughs> oh, anyway, yeah. I mean, it's it's funny to talk about jury because you you look at you look at stories that have juries um like uh 12 angry men and and those kind of things and it kind of sort of maybe slides into our topic for tonight we got an email a couple of weeks ago i printed it out uh, an email from a viewer and uh, a suggestion. And, and this is something we don't get as often as I would like. So I want to I reiterate that we do have an email address, h2o at sci-fi for me.com. If you have suggestions for topics, we would love to hear them. So send them our way. Or if you want to throw a suggestion for a topic in the chat or in a super chat or whatever, that's fine too. Uh, I have a topic idea for the H2O show. How about a discussion of character actors and the decline of this type of star and its impact on the type of scripts Hollywood produces? Has Hollywood deliberately squeezed out these actors in favor of the major star-driven films of today? Was watching a movie with Harry Dean Stanton, and it made me think, where are the modern character actors? Modern movies seem mega-star-driven. Uh, this is from MS, who is frequently in the chat. So um, it's an interesting question because the, I think the premise, the premise of the question, the, the driving force of movies being these mega blockbuster hits uh, you know, that's all the big CGI visual effects and everything else, it's almost like the, the cast gets buried inside of the effects work anymore but you also have a lack of 
the smaller pictures. You know, we've well, talked about we, this before. You've got the big mega, you know, mega million dollar blockbuster hits that that are supposed to come in and bring in a billion dollars at the box office. Where are the where are the five million dollar films and the ten million dollar films and the and the more character driven pieces? Truly, madly, deeply. Where where are those these days? Right. Well, okay. So there's a couple of couple of different ways to to answer that question. And first of all. Pros and cons of streaming services being what they are, one of the pros of having a seemingly infinite number of streaming services is that they have to fill those streaming services with content. Yeah. Which means a lot of what we were seeing really over the last decade, especially, but certainly before that, too, with the rise of the big blockbuster, really from the 80s on. Um, this sort of pushing out of the smaller picture, the the romantic comedy, the small drama, the character-driven story, a lot of that stuff was definitely getting pushed to the side by the big blockbusters. And certainly the superhero tentpole picture, you know, has, has had its impact. Um, but requiring, you know, needing all this extra content and the rise of the prestige TV show um, has really actually helped mitigate that in terms of that stuff getting out in the world. Seeing it in the movie theaters is still the money lies in the big franchise picture right now. Yeah. And, and, and until the superhero bubble bursts, Which if it ever bursts, it was supposed to already, according to Kendall. Well, I mean, and, and quite frankly, the, the logic of that is we've talked about this before yeah. is that the the way that that the cycles have worked generally for the the movie industry whether it's the US movie industry or other countries movie industries is that the big the big trend lasts for you know 10ish 15ish years and then it moves on to something else superhero films haven't done that yet they will eventually if you're not a fan of superhero movies and that's fine you don't have to be it's I eventually think, they'll be replaced by something else i think marvel's phase 4 is going to be maybe the beginning of the end not necessarily uh, a steep decline or a sharp you know just cut cut everything off but it doesn't feel like Phase four is getting as much of an enthusiastic reception as the first three phases. Uh, and it could well, be think, just me. It could be the way it's been covered and pandemic and lockdown and all this other stuff, you know, factors into it. But I, I, it just it just seems like people are not as excited about phase four. Well, when you've got I mean, you've got your big personalities for the the first three phases, right? You've got your Robert Downey Juniors, you've got <clears throat> You know, these these, you know, essentially, look, if Iron, if the first Iron Man picture had not been the success that it was. The Marvel movie landscape would be very different. We talk about how, you know, you often talk about how great the, uh, uh, you know, how, how big and, and successful it has all been for Marvel. But it's there's been a lot of chances for it to fail and it just didn't happen to do that. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, yes, they, they've done a really good job um, so far, but at the same time, they also, there's a certain amount of crapshoot to it. And they got lucky with the first, the, the, the foundational picture for it. Because remember, it wasn't the first Marvel movie. No, it wasn't. It wasn't the first. And, and it wasn't, Iron Man wasn't the first one in this right. shared universe either uh -huh. so it was it was kind of and you know depending but, on depending on who you ask and at what point in this timeline they tell the story this was either all just a real happy accident or it was cleverly conceived from the very beginning so uh anyway. so it's it's yeah a little of both i'm sure i yeah. mean the thing the fact is is that all of these things have life cycles and the marvel universe the folks this sort of thing isn't actually sustainable. <laughs> no. And and we've we've both talked about the fact that it feels like it's gone on longer than it probably should have. 
Wolverine626 Wolverine uh, says Marvel Phase 4 has been a real bore, but he's got, a, he's got an even more important question. What does the H2O stand for? Is it because both your names have an H? Yes. Short answer. Um, <laughs> also, our opinions are often all wet. So, yeah, well, there, there is that, too. But, you know, the, the two ages, of course, Hunt and Harvey and the O for opinions. We I was being clever. This is this is before all of the shows uh, that followed ended up with some kind of a food based title. Um, so we should. Well, I mean, water, I guess, is kind of a kind of a food adjacent thing but we should probably rethink the title of our program because there are other h2o shows out there that do talk about water at this point though we've done 305 episodes i don't know i think i don't know if we want to rebrand ourselves at this point well i keep i keep somehow wanting to say the h2o project and i know that's not right and i don't know where that started but uh, you know, every now and again, I've talked about we 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 probably would want to think of a more genre specific name for the show. But you know, it is it is what it is. We're kind of stuck with it now until we go back to the Tim Harvey show. <laughs> uh, oh, hey, Dave says it's better than two gourds and a pineapple. Um, that uh, uh, opinions yeah. may vary, but. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> So oh, character actors. Yeah, All right. So because so, there's an interesting question here. Are you are you insinuating character actors are better actors? Okay. So first of all, let's define. Let's define. Let's define character. And this is this is actually a fuzzy definition. Because people have a perception of a character actor, and what a character actually is defined as, these don't always line up. Right. So character actors are often considered to be your secondary characters. These are folks who are never leading men, leading women. They are never the star, but that's not true. Some character actors have headlined movies. Mm -hmm. They have been the star of the film. They may be the star of the film or the television show, but they also have a tendency to play much like big name movie stars, like say, Oh, I don't know. Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise always plays Tom Cruise, right? <laughs> I mean, John Wayne always played John Wayne. They, it was the personality of those characters, of those of their of the perceived character of those actors that made them a movie star. A lot of character actors can do the same thing. They can play the same kind of person throughout their entire career. They can play the mobster or uh, the housewife or the small town, you know, drugstore guy or whatever. I mean, they, they have a certain kind of role that they are often cast as because they're really, really good at it. Or you have the kind of character actor who shows up in <clears throat> as, you know, the secondary character in a movie or a TV show. They're never the star or they're very rarely the star. And they play a different person every single time. Yeah. They're a chameleon. Um, but I, they're never the, they don't look like, you know, they don't, you know, uh, they don't look like Tom Cruise. They don't no. look like Julia Roberts. They don't look like, you know, the movie star look. I ran across this definition here and, and it's not, they, they even acknowledge there's multiple different ways that you could look at the idea of the character actor. Um, Film or television performer who specializes in portraying unique, offbeat, colorful characters in supporting roles. The term can be applied to actors who excel in one specific type of character or, like you're saying, those who can transform themselves for each role and take on a wide range of character types. I would say J.K. Simmons falls into that category. J.K. Simmons does. I think Johnny Depp in the early part of his career, um, I'd say Johnny Depp for about the last decade has basically played... Johnny Depp. Well, he's played. He's played Johnny Depp. Yeah, he's played Jack Sparrow with modifications, and, and which I think is unfortunate because, however you feel about anything legal, and don't need to get into that, but however you feel about that, the early part of Johnny Depp's career, he really stepped into a bunch of different kinds of roles. Yeah, and um, there are I think there are times in it, it, especially in the first decade, 
15 years of his career when he really was someone who was was really engaging and, and really fun to watch. And as as popular as the Pirates of the Caribbean films have been and as successful as they were for him, I think they damaged they made him into a movie star in a way that didn't necessarily help him play those kind of roles anymore. It it kind of put him in a box. Yeah. And and you may like him in that box and that's fine. I just wish he was doing, you know, if he's, the, I think he, the irony he was is, more interesting for me when he was, when he was a younger actor. Yeah, he did. I, I mean, Benny and June was probably one of his better performances. Yeah, and I absolutely. And I, that film did not necessarily do well in the theater back no, then. No, it like, didn't. It didn't. Well, because it wasn't an action picture. Well, the thing is, I mean, you, you, you look at, you look at something like Johnny Depp with, with, with um, uh, Jack Sparrow. And you talk about John Wayne, you talk about Tom Cruise. John Wayne plays John Wayne. Tom Cruise plays Tom Cruise. Johnny Depp doesn't play Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp plays Jack Sparrow. He got he got boxed into that character. So you look at something like Tonto, for example. Tonto is Jack Sparrow-ish. You know, and and well, so and now he's playing a type of character, and it's not he doesn't get any kind of roles that have any depth to them anymore. Right. I mean, and and you know what, you can build a career on that, and I'm not saying you shouldn't. I mean, hopefully it changes. Frankly, hopefully, I'm you know, I'm hoping he gets new opportunities out of all. Uh, you know, now now that the trial's done, everything's finished. Well, at least finished for now. You know, he'll get he'll get his his day again. Christopher asks Maybe. here, do you think the days of Dick Miller and Victor Bruno have come and gone? Could always count on memorable performances. The only current character actor that I remember is Luis Guzman, who is well, going to have a lead role. Again, because, again, the idea that, that, that character actors can't be in leads is, it, it seems like that makes sense, but it's not really the case. And especially, again, we see this change with with the prestige television show you have the opportunity for a lot of these things because tv allows you okay i know this is going to come as a surprise but big budget movies <clears throat> they often cast the prettier people what shockingly uh, the movie industry is a little bit appearance based i i know this i know this is going to stun people um because it doesn't seem like it ha ha uh but the fact is, is that with te- with the prestige television world, and there's certainly all that goes on in that as well, there's more opportunities for uh, actors who don't look so pretty to be featured. Yeah. Um, so there's a whole bunch of really fantastic character actors working right now. You just may not be thinking of them as character actors because you see them, well... You see them as often as you do, which actually is a thing that character actors do. Character actors work all the time. Yeah. They're not getting the, you know, $12 million paycheck. But you look at uh, Juan Carlos Esposito. He's a character actor. He uh, plays not the same character, but a certain kind of character. Right. What is the role that you think of for Juan Carlos Esposito? Well, right now he's you know you've got Better Call Saul and you've got The Mandalorian, and in a galaxy far, far away, you can take those guys and go, yeah, they're related, <laughs> kind of, you know, um, and and certainly the the interesting thing that a lot of these folks do, uh, Peter Stamari is another example of a character actor. He always shows up and plays these kinds of like, yeah, man, you know, I've got this interesting accent and I'm a little bit sleazy and I can be a small time crook or the devil. And <laughs> it's all Peter Stamark. Yeah. I mean, he's, <clears throat> he can often, he's all, you always kind of feel like he's playing a version of himself. Um, probably not the case, but He's one of those actors who you're never going to get. It's unlikely you're going to get him as the leading man in a film because he doesn't have that look. He doesn't have that vibe. 
but he's always captivating when he's on screen because he carries himself in a certain way and he has that voice. Um, and I mean, however you feel about Keanu Reeves playing, you know, John Constantine, Peter Stabari was an inspired choice to play the devil in, <laughs> in that movie yeah. because he's so just skin crawlingly pulls evil off really really well in that film yeah he does well it's funny you mentioned you mentioned keanu reeves and he's i don't think that keanu has gotten to a point where he's the character actor yet but he's he's getting there because john wick is going to put him on a path to play a particular type of character um because Bill and Ted, this, this last Bill and Ted movie didn't do so great. Although it was and entertaining. You have the, you know, the Matrix Resurrections, which is, you know, puts the button on that last bit of Matrix and it's done. But, you know, Keanu being the action star and John Wick, you know, uh, what, what are we up to? John Wick 4. You know, he's going to probably follow the same path that we see with... Uh, action stars like uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Well, look, and S- look at Stallone. Liam Neeson. Liam yeah. Neeson has become this action star at this point in his life, which was not ever his career path. Which is really um, and weird. interestingly enough, prior to this, he was a lot closer to being a character actor than to being, um, you know, a, yeah. a movie star. Because he was in a ton of different things. and he did all, British character actors are much more likely to be the person that you see in all these different movies all the time mm-hmm. um, and yet never actually be movie stars. I think the only high-profile project that I know that involved him outside of Star Wars, you had uh, The Good Mother with Diane Keaton, and the only reason I know he's in it is because I know Leonard Nimoy directed it, and then you have Rob Roy. And well, and even Rob Roy was <clears throat> a, a quote-unquote lesser picture uh, because Braveheart certainly overpowered it when it comes to your Scottish thing. Although, if you've not seen Rob Roy, I highly recommend it. It's a lot more historically accurate. Um, <laughs> and it's got one of the best sword fight scenes for realism. Well, more realism than you see in a lot of sword fights. No. Robert recommends a podcast called Household Faces. John Ross Bowie mm. interviews current character actors. I'm not aware yeah. of that. That sounds pretty interesting. Yeah. And there are a lot of them. There, there are a lot of, of faces like like uh, like Dave says. We might not know the name, but you know the face. There are people that you would recognize because I'm looking at these, you know, these lists. Everybody's got these oh, listicles yeah. and whatnot. I was like, oh, I know that face. I know that face. Mm-hmm. I I think I've seen that person somewhere before. And 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 you get a lot of that. Well, Walter Goggins, he was in uh, Ant-Man 2. Mm. He was the the bad guy in Ant-Man 2. He is in a ton of stuff. And he often plays that kind of um, illicit businessman. Dodgy, dodgy uh, uh, real estate guy. Uh, or, you know, a various and sundry things. And yet he can actually play really nice, pleasant people. He just has one of those faces that is just geared towards, I look a little bit like I'm going to stab you. <laughs> right. Or or steal the mortgage. You know, I mean, <laughs> it's one of the two. <laughs> I hear you got to have that person. flexibility, right? Well, but I also think of, you know, some of these folks who have become big, who are big names within certain areas or because we've become such a, um, well, because of the exposure, a lot of people sit there and go, I'm a huge fan of this actor or that actor. And and you think about some of these folks who you've seen in so many things, um, but, you know, they're not really big movie stars. They just work a lot. Like CCH Pounder. Yeah. She has done so much work, and yet would, you can't really say she's a movie star. 
No, she's not. She's not. Well, she's a very strong supporting supporting actor, and so many different things. I mean, to me, CCH Pounder is the best Amanda Waller that we've ever had. I no I question. would agree. I would agree. She. I mean, um, there are. Yeah, I mean, she's one of those people who's like, like born to play that role. I yeah. mean, and she's got the gravitas to pull off that character and also that look, that that twinkle in her eye that can give that whole just... Amanda she Waller's a little She hasn't bit done evil. it in live action yet, though, has she? No, she hasn't done it yeah. in live action. She but but her to. voice has been perfect for yeah. it. Uh, Steven Tobolowsky is another one. Um, mm-hmm. And he's been in everything. He uh, this this article in Vulture here that talks about he's got close to three hundred credits to his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll recognize him probably best from uh, sn- uh, 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 Groundhog Day, but also Sneakers, mm-hmm. uh, which is a fun movie. That's also got David Strathairn in it, who's also a really mm-hmm. good character actor. Right. Uh, if you if you folks watched The Expanse, he had a a fairly sizable what a season and a half, two season run on that show. Alphas. Um, hmm. Alphas. Alphas. Yeah, yeah. And <clears throat> there's a show that someone used to do a revival of. Come yes, on, people. Really, Alphas got uh, robbed by the Sci-Fi Channel. Uh, uh, Michael Shannon. Michael Shannon is mostly a character actor. He's had some leading roles. I mean, he, you know, Zod and Zod. in Man of Steel and yeah. and uh, Take Shelter was a big one. Um, although a smaller picture, he got a ton of a ton of uh, awards buzz about that one. I don't think I don't think he won anything for it. Um, but he's one of those people who he's got one of those faces is a little too rough for movie star. Mm-hmm. Um, but. I mean, it's an incredibly expressive face, and every time he shows up, he, you know, the, the thing about character actors is that they can often be in the background and still snag some of that spotlight. You know, Michael yeah. Pena. Uh, I mean, you remember the bits where he's doing the rapid fire dialogue, right? Right. I mean, he's not the star of the movie, but if you're when you walk out of that film, you're laughing about. You know, you're still remembering that bit because he owns it. Yeah. And you're like, okay, nobody else, you know, nobody else could have done that. Probably I'm, somebody could, but you can't imagine anybody else doing I'm it. waiting for him to do everything so far. Be, or well, let me let me let me let me backtrack that. Not yet. When Fantastic Four comes out, and it's set in 1961, and we get the long game timeline, because Ant-Man and whatnot, you know, Michael Douglas's Ant-Man and, and Michelle Pfeiffer's Wasp and all that the stuff that's going on in the 80s and whatnot, I want that Michael Pena explanation of everything <laughs> that's happened. Because you go all the way back oh, to, ha- you know, all the way back to BC with the Eternals. Right, and mm-hmm. scroll right, all sure. the way through, and Captain America and World War II, all the way up. I that's that's what I want to see. That would be, see, that's your that's your Marvel special episode. Yeah, it's just him, and he's got to do it in right one take. Head. And he's just doing it. He's just yeah. telling you how it all goes. In. Yeah, it's all it is. And it's got to be one that. take. It's got to be one take. I would watch that. Yeah. That would be hilarious. I would, and I'm sure would, I would be laughing incredibly hard. Um, <laughs> right? Well, and, and it's interesting because, you know, you, you for, for superhero film fans, that, that's, you know, him in a defining role for, you know, those movies. Mm. And yet, of course, he has been working for decades now. Yeah. I mean, he's just, I mean, he, he shows up, he does the role. Because, you know, he's he's played a certain kind of ethnic role because Hollywood, you know, yes, they like pretty people. And if you happen to be black or Hispanic or Asian or Indian, Native American or East Indian, you get cast in certain kinds of roles. I mean, you just do. Um, they are uh, there. You know, if you're a 
if you're a, a Muslim actor working in America, you'll play a terrorist at some point, right? I mean, it's just how this stuff works. If you're if you're Hispanic, you're probably going to play a drug dealer. I mean, this is just the way it works. Um, and, you know, some of these actors have had the chance to move beyond that, which is fantastic. Um, but, you know, so you don't necessarily see the talent they can have because they're kind of pigeonholed into certain roles because of the nature of the industry. Yeah. Um, and, and the fact is, we've talked about this before, all movies and television use a certain kind of visual shorthand because you only have so much time to tell your story, even if you've got eight episodes or 10 episodes or 12 episodes or whatever, you know. Um, well, so. and I think I think the other part of it, too, I mean, you know, people people like to make hay about the whole thing with, you know, racial stereotypes and whatnot. But I think if you look at demographic statistics, some of that kind of kind of parallels i'm not saying that it's that way all the time and it's an exact science or anything like that but you know you you got to take that into account as well uh, i tell you we're going to take a real quick break when we get back i'm going to talk about one of the best character actors that has ever graced the screen right after this stand by you're listening to sci-fi for me radio until you unsubscribe in a sudden but inevitable betrayal Hi everyone, Jason Hunt here, inviting you to join us every Saturday morning for news. The week's headlines in science fiction, fantasy, horror, comic books, video games, plus Comic-Con updates and the weather, and the occasional interview along the way. We call it Good Morning Multiverse. We hope you join us every Saturday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 Central, right here on Sci-Fi For Me TV. Live from the bunker, Monday through Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern, only on Sci-Fi for Me TV. Back on the H2O podcast. So the the best i mean character actors there are tons of them there are a lot of them carl malden jason robards i mean you go all the way back and and you know harry carey i mean you could you could go back well i mean claude rains you know we if you're a horror fan you think of the invisible man if you're a, a classic movie fan you think of maybe uh casablanca but he was primarily a character actor when it came to film Round up the usual wow. suspects. Yeah, and, and yeah. he was, you know, Humphrey Bogart was the lead. Claude Rains was, you know, not the sidekick, but he was certainly a secondary character in the film, even though he's a, he's a, a very memorable part of the film. Yeah. Like so many of their great character actors, they're memorable parts of the film or the TV show or whatever. They just aren't the lead. But the best, maybe, maybe the best. Yeah, your mileage may vary on this. One of the best, I'll, I'll give you that. Alan Rickman much more than I think a lot of people realize. Yeah. Because they think of him as this big movie star. And yet you remembering, of course, that Die Hard was his first, I think it was his first movie. Yeah, it was. And it was certainly his first American movie. He was a stage actor. He had done some, he did some British television, but he was not a movie star. And he didn't stop being a stage actor when he became the sheriff of Nottingham, right? Um, or you know, I or mean, was who who was uh, Dark Arts? What was his name in that? Oh, Snape. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was still doing. He was still doing theater. Uh, he was still. He was the. But you know, he was also doing things like Truly Madly Deeply. I mean, he was right. he was doing these romantic pictures and smaller pictures and and character pieces and. Do you talk about the chameleon type of character actor, the one who could just go and do whatever? You know, he's not mm-hmm. playing the same role over and over and over and over again. I would have loved to see him in the the uh, the Galaxy Quest TV series. You know, doing doing yeah. the character playing the character, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's. They, no, go ahead. Dogma, yeah, def- oh yeah, definitely dogma. Uh, yeah. He's, 
Uh, it's so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> well, Dave, Dave mentions Thelma Ritter and Agnes Moorhead. We haven't even gotten into actresses uh, besides CCH right. Pounder. I mean, we haven't really talked very much about uh, that side of things. I mean, there are there are quite a few of them. Linda Hunt, I think, is is up there. Well, um, Lin- well yeah, and Linda Hunt um, for had an incredible, incredible presence every time she was on screen. Yeah, and just had a had a carried a certain um, I don't know just gravitas with her all the time. Um, uh, Tilda Swinton is a character actor, right? Now she's yep. starring as the lead in a movie, you know, but it's not out yet. Is it out yet? Can't remember the the, the genie film. Um, I don't think it's out yet. I, it, 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 uh, it was at it was at con, I think. Okay, yeah. Uh, but um, I don't and think the trailer looks really, really interesting. It's it's you know it's uh, brought to you by you know the director of Mad Max. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It looks I, it looks I, weird. I, what was it? I, Eight million wishes or something like that. I, yeah, I, I love the fact that you know this is the guy who brought you Mad Max, Babe, and the genie romantic <laughs> movie. But Tilda Swinton's one of those people who she. If you look at her face, she is never going to be, quote unquote, Hollywood beautiful. Right. But she's got one of those faces that is just fascinating. And, of course, she is clearly an amazing actor and just can disappear into a role or play a certain kind of eccentric role to a T. Um, and of course she's done a ton of work uh, outside the Marvel Cinematic Universe, guys. I swear. You can go find her <laughs> in some really amazing stuff. Yeah. Um, Only Lovers Left Alive. Um, oh god, she's been in so many great things. I'd say Gwendolyn Christie would be in that same category too. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. she's she's gonna play Lucifer in the Sandman here coming up, but um, you know also Captain Phasma from from the Star Wars movies, and and of course her her turn in Game of Thrones, but you know she's not your typical Hollywood starlet type of of mm-hmm. uh, physical actor oh, yeah. either. So Grand Budapest Hotel, yeah, that's an excellent that's an excellent one yeah. for for uh, uh, Tilda um, Aunt May, Marissa Tomei, character actor. And you know, the thing is, is that she is somebody who I think she ran the real risk of being pigeonholed after My Cousin Vinny. It was such a revelation to so many people mm-hmm. that, you know, and she was so good in that. And, you know, that... the rare occasion when a straight up comedy film wins somebody an Oscar. Yeah. Well, did you see her in in Oscar with Stallone? Yes, that's, I did. But that's I could where not I first tell noticed you anything her. about that movie. That's where I first noticed her because that's based on a play, mm-hmm. and Stallone plays the the head of the of the mafia family that's going. They're going to go straight, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, the best line is "You bankers, you're you're scary." Yeah, you know, it's like you know, the, the, we thought the mob was bad, but you banks, well, forget it. Um, but you know, you've got the Fanucci brothers. You know, Fanucci's in, Fanucci's out, Fanucci's in. You give me agita. You know, I I I actually lifted that line because I still use that. But that was the first. That was the first where I saw Marissa Tomei. And seeing her and the way she was flirting with Tim Curry's character and just all giggly and saying, oh, that she's going places. She's going to have a breakout career that is just going to go and skyrocket. And it didn't happen. You know, she got the award for for My Cousin Vinny. And then she just kind of she did that thing with with Robert Downey Jr. And then she kind of just. What happened? She was just gone, and oh, then she, she came back working. in the wrestling. She kept working, but it wasn't any kind of high-profile anything. Well, I think she. So a lot of these folks who have become these iconic character actors 
have at some point had the opportunity or or they've had that big breakout role where people have sat there and said, aha, this is who they're going to be. Mm-hmm. And they were like, um, no. I mean, uh, Robert Pattinson's an example, right? Yeah. He, you know, we have we have, you know, uh, a series of sparkly vampire movies. Which everyone was like, it's made him a star. And of course, in the middle of all of this, he's going, I kind of hate these things, but they're paying me. Yeah. And <laughs> publicly, which is not necessarily the best idea. But he then went on to do a ton of smaller art house pictures because they were the things that interested them. Yeah. And it's worked out pretty well. You know, he's got his big action movie, you know, franchise thing now. Um, but you look at somebody like, um, you know, uh, Ray Liotta in here, you know, Ray Liotta is in many ways is, was a character actor. He tended to play the kind of mobster, you know, uh, uh, violent character, but he was almost Batman. Can you imagine? I mean, if he, if he had been cast as Batman instead of Michael Keaton, that would have been a he very would, different kind of movie. Yeah, but at the at his age at that point, he looked the part. He could have yeah. pulled it off yeah. physically. He and he was he was certainly was was a talented enough actor that I'm sure he could have played the part you know, extremely well. And it would change I mean, it would have been a very different movie. I don't know. I I mean, I think I think fan reaction might not have been as initially negative to hearing that Mr. Mom was going to be Batman. <laughs> Probably not. Uh, but the, and yet so much, so many people sit there and go, Michael Keaton is, of course he's Batman. We, we, we get it now. Yeah. Um, which again, reminder folks, just because somebody got cast in the role that you didn't see getting cast, not the first time it's going to happen. It's happened before. It'll happen again. Just watch the thing and decide then just, don't get upset about the thing before it even happens. But um, Wolverine yeah. suggests Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci is a good a good example of character actor. But Joe he Pesci is, plays he, Joe Pesci. Yeah, he plays a certain kind of character that is the Joe Pesci character. Yeah. And it's like whether it's in in Beverly Hills Cop, no, not Beverly Hills Cop, Lethal um, Weapon. Lethal, Lethal Weapon. Thank you, Lethal Weapon, Weapon. Uh, or it's in uh, Goodfellas. Well. Okay. It's see the Play. thing is it's the same kind of character but in reverse. Right. Cuz he's uh, played for comedy in Lethal Weapon and not so much in Goodfellas. Well, and again we come back to the idea that comedy and horror have the same beats. Yeah. And the I if you if you want to look at that kind of character in real life, they're terrifying. So it I mean, it, it, he's like so many really fantastic comedic actors. He can play scary really, really well. Yeah. I mean, to, 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 you could argue very strongly that one of the most famous character actors there ever was was Robin Williams. I, yeah, I could, I can, I can accept that. Cause he Maybe. wasn't. Now there were there were occasionally those roles where you lost Robin Williams into the role. Awakenings was one of those. Dead Poet Society. Uh, what dreams may come. What dreams may come. Uh, uh, but for the most part, one hour photo. He was Robin Williams. One hour photo was the was the really dramatic shift for that, him. I think that that film surprised people. Nobody thought that he would go there. Yeah. And then he did the one, what was the one with uh, Al Pacino um, set in Alaska? I'm drawing a blank. It was a, it was an American remake of, of uh, a film set in Sweden or Norway. And, mm, let me and, um, but he's he's chilly in that movie. It's another one where he, he his the turn is the villain. Um, yeah, F. Murray Abram. Um, yeah, when you consider that he really came to a lot of people's attention in, you know, Amadeus, but he'd been acting long before that, and he's played all kinds of roles since. Uh, Christoph Waltz. 
had made a hundred movies and had been in a, played a hundred different roles before he became like the go-to villain for, you know, a modern generation of, of filmmakers. Um, yep. So interestingly enough, you look at uh, Lon Chaney, Ron Perlman, Robert Englund, uh, thank you, Insomnia, uh, and Doug Jones. All of those actors are people who have regularly disappeared underneath prosthetics. Mm -hmm. So your character actors are more likely to be the folks who are willing to disappear or the studio is willing to, to allow to disappear underneath something that hides their marketability. Um, because you, you know, you look at uh, Sylvester Stallone and Judge Dredd. All right, a character who canonically never removes his helmet. Yeah. Nobody knows what Judge what this part of Judge Dredd's face looks like. Nobody. The comic has been published for like forty years, something like that. Yeah. And Sylvester Stallone's like, "Oh, look, it's me." Um, <laughs> well, it's like Spider-Man. Every time, every time you got to fight, you you got to get the mask off because you got to see the actor's face because right, it's a right. movie and, yet, and he's a movie star. And well, and and yet Carl Urban, who you could argue has been, has become a. I'd say he's a character actor too. He's more character actor than he is a movie star. Although, of course, he's been in big, you know, big successful projects as leads. Yeah. But yeah, in in Dread, he you literally never see this part of Carl Urban's face, and this is a point where he's a very marketable actor. Well, but the filmmakers were like that. This is what the character does. And didn't he's like, he also come out and say there's no there's no reason to m remove the helmet because the helmet is the character. Right. I mean, he he's right. even I think I I I could have that wrong. But I want to say that I saw an interview with him at one point where he was basically talking about how important it was to keep the helmet on. Right. Well, and I think that that's the. So on one hand, it made that film for the folks who actually watched it incredibly successful and why people have been clamoring for a sequel. Yeah. And it also explains why the studio sat there and went, yeah, but. It didn't make enough money, and there's somebody in the, somebody in that studio is going, you know, well, you know, if we've seen Carl Urban's face, yeah, it's like, what's his Q? He, and, was Q factor? Is whatever that that is? I mean, yeah, the, there are so many different esoteric measurements that Hollywood uses to see if it's a success or not. It's ridiculous. Well, Absolutely I mean, ridiculous. it again, it comes back to the we as much as you want to you might want to believe in the idea of art for art's sake it is a business it is about making money it is about return investment yeah and and that leads to some choices that you're like could we not have had billy d williams as two-faced really we couldn't i mean we're getting him in the comic i know but tommy lee jones who also is by the way the character actor yeah um is um you know uh, he's he's a fine character actor but he's woefully miscast as two-face and hated working with jim carrey by all accounts well the two of them i mean based on based on anything you read about their work process and how they actually do these these are two people who it's like okay it's oil were and you water. trying to <laughs> cause conflict on set is that was that the goal because yeah. These are two guys that you have would actually have to like get to know each other like six months before the movie was made for them to be, you know, not rubbing each other the wrong way right away. No. Um, Sharon... Yes, Dread came out at the wrong time. If Dread had come out now, I think Dread would be. It would do a, much better. I think it would do much better. And also the fact that I think it's more likely to have come out now as a uh, six episode series or something yeah uh, which i think giving giving that world that chance to breathe yeah could build you up help. to a nice you know reveal of certain certain evil characters that would show up in the final episode to tease a season two yeah that would have been yeah. <laughs> i know aren't what they, i want 
aren't they doing how what weren't they working on another project that's dread related so mega city one mega city one well, yeah mega city one is i as far as i can tell it's in development hell because oh, okay. they started talking about doing that a few years ago and i have heard very little sense now that's not to say that isn't isn't going on um you know you get something like the uh some of these tv series i mean we're get, we just got a a westworld teaser and it's been three years since westworld the last episode of westworld came out yeah and the i again another show full of character actors getting a chance to shine um but so it might still be floating around but i think it's in development hell i think it's stalled yeah. Which is a shame. It's it's sitting there on the shelf with the live action Akira remake, right? It, okay. So <laughs> one of those can stay on the shelf. Yes. Yes. Okay. Let, let me take that back. I'm sure there are some great Japanese studios who could give us a really amazing Akira miniseries. Six episodes, no less, guys. It's a complicated story. But it, it, again, we've talked about this. It's got it, American it American studio is just yeah. not going to get there. There is I I not gonna get it right. I would conditionally agree with you because I've seen the live action adaptation of Space Battleship Yamato, and they got most of it right. They got most of it right. I'd say they got they got ninety percent there. The last 20 minutes, it kind of falls apart story-wise, but the production value on it is incredible. And when the when the ship comes up out of the ground, it's worth every other minute that you spend watching this thing just for that. You know, there's, there's an idea for an episode, uh, which is that iconic moment, whether it's in a good movie or a bad movie. Yeah. If it's a bad movie, it's that moment that almost redeems the film. If it's a good mo- if it's a good movie, it's that moment that you you remember all of your life. What is that? You know that that visual that visual or that line that you know that that moment where the actor says the devastating or, or I amazing. I am thing. your father. Well, yeah. you know, to some degree, yeah. that yeah, um, or. Or, uh, you know, um, the reveal in Star Trek 2 that it's Khan. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there were, or, you know, some of these things, there's like, these are defining moments. The real Star uh, Trek 2, the real Khan. Yeah, I, I still maintain <laughs> that Star Trek Into Darkness works so much better if you think of the character as Benedict Cumberbatch is playing as Yoshim mm-hmm. from uh, Star Trek 2. He's not actually Khan. He's just pretending to be Khan because he's protecting the real Khan um, who is still sleeping. I, I still haven't seen it. So. so so here's here's the thing I will tell you about watching some things that are you know are gonna are gonna make you angry. Something watching something like yes, the fight scene in They Live, that's <laughs> an iconic movie. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of those actually in They Live. Um, that's one of the big ones. So watching something like um, Star Trek Into Darkness, which I think is of the three J.J. Abrams versions of Star Trek, the weakest of the three films. I personally liked um, uh, Star Trek Beyond a lot. I think they got it, finally got everything lined up in the film that people didn't go see. Right. How it works. Star Trek Into Darkness is worth watching for two reasons. One, uh, it has a fantastic real villain Benedict Cumberbatch is not playing the real bad guy in that movie. He's, and if you if you sit there and go la 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 every time he says my name is Khan, he's a much more interesting character as a villain named John Harrison. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you know Peter Weller is the bad guy in that movie. Spoiler alert if you haven't seen the film, and he is a really fantastic Star Trek villain because we've seen that Star Trek villain before. He's the evil admiral. Yeah. He's the he's the the Starfleet officer who has gone rogue. If you watch it with that story in mind and just sit there and you know pretend that the rest of the con stuff isn't happening, it's not a bad Star Trek political thriller for what Star Trek used. To, 
that sort of that sort of breed of of evil Starfleet officer politic politics thing yeah. that they did back in the original series. Or you could just go read Dreadnought by Diane Carey. It's a much honestly, story. you could do that and <laughs> and imagine Peter Weller in the role. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's like I said, it's it's a it's a movie. I watched it. I didn't hate it. I didn't like a lot of the things they did. But Peter Weller is really just great well, as that kind of Star Trek villain. And Weller and Cumberbatch, both good examples of character actors who've done oh, yeah. various different things, both both lead roles and supporting roles. So, you know, it's... That's yeah, I mean, so... so I mean, Cumberbatch, you, he became a star because of Sherlock. Yeah. And yet before that and after that, he has disappeared into a whole bunch of different kinds of roles. He can very easily become the chameleon actor. Now, of course, he's Doctor Strange, so it's like, you know, his career for a large portion of mostly American audiences are going to be Sherlock and Doctor Strange. Yeah. But in the UK, he's known for a lot more than those two roles. So. Sharon and Sherlock hasn't aged that well in parts. No, well, I I haven't seen that version of it. I need it's on my list, but uh, you know, circling around to it for yeah, we have so many different things. Titles. First, first two seasons. There's a little Tim, Tim's little recommendations here. No, first two seasons, the third season, about thirty percent of it is good. Thirty percent of it is, huh? Yeah, and thirty percent of it is. What? What? What are you doing? Yeah. Stop. <laughs> okay, fine, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody else on that list, Sharon Glass. Oh, uh, yeah. because she got she got Cagney, you know, but down mm-hmm. in Cagney and Lacey. And then kind of didn't do very much for a little bit and and came back and just, you know, doing supporting stuff and mom stuff and then of course she basically reinvented herself with Burn Notice. Mm-hmm. And was just fantastic in that. Um, I miss that show. Yeah, I do too. Right. The first two seasons of that show were incredibly good. Yeah. I thought I was really impressed with that. Um, Maya Rudolph. A lot of people know her just as a comedic actor, but mm-hmm. she's done drama. Yeah. Uh, and Doesn't she's she got have, one of those... She's got something something coming out here for pretty soon. I I think I saw. Um, she might. I don't know. But she's got one of those faces that when. She can make you laugh with just a twitch or she can just really, I mean, she's got the, it's, it's her eyes. Mm. She's got those, she's got incredible eyes yeah. uh, and she knows how to use them to really just get emotion across again, uh, comedy and drama, uh, you know, being able to, to play it. I'd actually love to see her be a, like a straight up villain. I haven't seen her do that yet. And if she's done, if, if anyone's seen her be the bad guy. Uh, let me know because I actually would like to see. I'd like to see her. It'd probably be about the same as like seeing Julia Louis Dreyfus as a villain, because she's doing that in Marvel now. Well, and you know what? I think she, for a certain a certain portion of the audience, that was really jarring, mm-hmm. because she's known for one role. Even though she'd done a bunch of different things as well, that was her big, you know, the big role. Yeah. Um, Tony Shalhoub, yeah, Tony Shalhoub has played, he's been villains, he's been romantic leads, he's known primarily for, you know, Monk, uh, being that eccentric kind of character, Galaxy basically Quest. being a modern Columbo. Yeah. Well, well Pe- okay. Peter Falk. Peter Falk. As you wish. Just one more question. I mean, Columbo made him made him a star for for millions and millions of TV viewers, but that was far from the only thing. And a lot of these folks, you know, they're stage actors, and so they play a different role in every production they're in. And and they disappear into that, but stage doesn't get the box office numbers mm-hmm. or the advertising for, you know, yeah. film or TV. It just doesn't. I mean, it's a the. Th- Stage is an actor's medium where film and TV can often be a star's medium, um, which is a little, you know, it's oversimplification, but it comes back to the whole star versus character actor, leading yeah. man, leading woman thing. So, 
And I'm sure that we've got plenty of names that we didn't even mention oh tonight that uh, that other people are thinking about. So you can you can let us know. Send us an email, h2o at sci-fi4me.com. Leave a comment on the video. Um, and that uh, we're gonna we're gonna have a Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee. We'll really suggest those. They, of course, you know, very very valuable in the in the Star Wars universe as as villains but you know and 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 alec guinness you know in that same group you know you get the recognizable name that brings the brings the weight of his reputation to this project and everybody goes "Ooh, peter cushing's in this alec guinness is in this yeah and still the best alec guinness film if you haven't seen being there you need to see being there. It's on my list. I've got a big list. I know. I was. I was again talking to. Uh, yeah, it definitely. Hammer horror has. There's some amazing, amazing uh, uh, actors in Hammer horror. That's a whole other topic yeah. as well. Um, Jason and I were talking about before we, we started recording. Is that I got to watch two episodes of Stranger Things yesterday, and I was so excited because I don't get to watch anywhere near as much of, of the things that I get I want to watch. There's so much great content out right now, and so much content that I'm interested in, whether it's great content or not. That I just haven't had a chance to get to. So I'm I'm always excited when I get to watch. You know, I got to spend two hours just doing a thing that was a fun <laughs> thing. Just for my own entertainment. It was well, great. and and Winona Ryder has turned into a character actor as as, as she's gotten yeah, older and, and gotten into different roles and that, stuff. And I think that for some for some actors, that actually becomes the character arc for their own career. Is that they they might have been the star, the it, well, to some degree, um, the Brat Pack. Mm-hmm. You saw a lot of that actually, um, where they were uh, they were they're the they're the it. Yeah, you know they're they're the these. This is the breakout group of people, and then you look at what some of their career arcs have been. And, Molly Ringwald and, is playing a mom, and you know, um, yeah, she's good at it. And and <laughs> you know that, and and so is Winona Ryder. I mean, she's these are characters who are these are actors who we might have, they might have become famous by showing up on on the big screen or part of that big hit TV series where they were the star. Mm-hmm. But it's in these other roles where there's were a supporting role or they're in a TV show where they're part of an ensemble cast, um, where a lot of times they're given the chance to really show the depth of their skill. Well, and versus... it's usually because those characters get to do more depth-wise. Because your hero, your heroine, your, your, your good guy, your bad guy, they have... They have certain particular box they got to play in, right. right? Whereas everybody else in the supporting roles, they can they can kind of wander far afield in the various different kinds of performances they give because those characters have different functions, and you get different opportunities there that you don't get if you're the lead, especially well, and, the, you know the romantic lead or the action lead or or whatever. There's there's a very clear set of responsibilities there. Right, and and trying to break out of that if you're if you're a movie star can often not get the result you want. I mean, for for everyone who who kind of you know thinks of Sylvester Stallone as a certain kind of you know Rocky or or you know Rambo, if you've not seen Copland, oh, it's an excellent movie. He is so good in Copland. He, it, it, you watch this movie and you go, wait a minute. This is an incredibly talented actor who has played two parts for decades because they're incredibly popular. And you think of the other stuff where it's like, he made a comedy. He's like, he's not funny. And he's like, yeah, actually he is. But he's so good in Copland. If you, if that's, that's a big recommendation. I cannot yeah. say that enough. He's good in Oscars also. I mean, Oscar's a fun film. I mean, it, it's, it, you don't have to think a whole lot. I, so Unless I, I, you I'm, really want to keep track of which who's got which black bag, I, so I really want to say that that was that came out when I, I and maybe I'm wrong, but I want to say it came out when I was working for a movie theater. It was like '94 or something like that. So yeah, uh, nine, nine, I was definitely working well, for the movie 92. theater, and 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 so which means I watched it, but I can I have almost no memory of it because <laughs> I pretty much watched everything. <laughs> Yeah. I have seen, I saw so many bad films in the early 90s. 
um, just because I worked in a movie theater and I was a projectionist. I built them, I watched them, and I went, "Yep, people are going to watch this. They're going to people are going to buy tickets to this travesty." Uh, <laughs> oh, it wasn't. It wasn't. It was. Well, no, was no, good. no. I'm not. I'm not saying that was it. I'm just saying it, it's. It's one of those films where I watched it and it made almost no impression, apparently, because I just do not remember. Yeah. I remember enough of it, but well, hang on. yeah, there's, I wanna, I wanna there's room, to, there's room to do a part two here. There's room to, to do uh, some other stuff uh, in this space because there's another one is, you know, kind of piggybacking off Copland is what is the amazing film that this big genre actor who we all know and love for this role? What's the film that nobody saw? What's that great movie that they did where they're so good, but it's not the film that they're famous for? Stop or my mom will shoot. <laughs> that is not. That would not be one of them. But you mentioned Truly Madly Deeply, yeah. which is a romantic comedy. It's basically, it's not the British answer to Ghost, but it's in that same space in terms of supernatural, loss of a loved one thing. But if you watch Die Hard and then you watch Truly Madly Deeply, like, this is the same actor? Mm-hmm. Are we sure? No. Yeah. 1991 Oscar came out. Yeah. So I worked, I worked for the movie theater from 1990 to 1995. So I, yeah, I'm, I definitely saw it there. I just didn't, it's not registered. <laughs> it's a fun film. I, I, I recommend it. <laughs> Cause it's, it's, there's a lot of physical comedy and there's a lot of play on words you had a you had a daughter with the maid? <laughs> you know, it's just all these things. Because it's it's a play. Mm-hmm. And it still plays like a play, but it's not shot like a play. It's it's a fun film. I, I recommend it. And yes, we definitely do need to circle around and do a part two on this. So uh, we will get to that. Of course, in the meantime, if you've got suggestions for topics, uh, do like MS did and send us an email, h2o at sci-fi for me.com, or you can leave a comment here. Uh, and or you could connect with us on various different social media outlets and uh, and leave us a message over there. Uh, you can sign up for our newsletter, send us a send us a super chat or a tip in the PayPal link or whatnot if you want. And we will do this again next week. And I'll have some kind of a jury duty story, I'm sure, unless I get sequestered, in which case. <laughs> we'll see what happens. You go, I have a secret and I can tell no one. Right? Oh, man. I just, uh, uh, because it's district court, which, you know, that, that even adds a little bit more of the, oh, what kind of a trial could this be? It's not going to be like just your, you know, county or whatever. Uh, anyway, I'll let you know. So it, if I get called, uh, more than likely, there's not going to be any live from the bunker the rest of the week. Uh, but you, be 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 watching the socials. We'll let you know. And we'll be back to do this again next week. Thanks very much for being here, folks. Have a good Thank day. Thank you, everyone. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Copyright 2022 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. You're listening to Sci-Fi For Me Radio.